Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. I understand it, a general order of events uh, relative to the second coming. All right, so let's uh, touch on some of the high spots here as we uh, go through this together. Okay, on our notes here, we start off with uh, Pauline eschatology here, and we've just reminded ourselves of the specific references to the Lord's coming in Paul's epistles, particularly in Thessalonians and uh, 1 Corinthians. All right, a general order of events relative to the second coming of Christ in the Thessalonian epistles, along with other supportive scriptures which give the major points of Pauline eschatology. A, the church by the power of the gospel, and we look first, first of all at the church here, and uh, in sort of bringing all our, our uh, studies together here, we do our famous line here. All right, so as I understand it here, and some expositors, we see that uh, the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and his ministry here particularly covered uh, three and a half years, which is spoken of as the uh, with various expositors, a difference of opinion on here, but uh, uh, three and a half years of the Lord's coming, uh, the Messiah's coming and his ministry here, confirming the uh, covenant of the 70-week prophecy and then Christ is cut off in the midst of the week. Okay, so this period of time uh, basically covers the Gospels, okay, the uh, ministry of Christ in the earth and we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, the four historical books of the Old Testament pertaining to Christ. All right, then the, after the cross and the death, burial and resurrection of Christ, we come now to the book of Acts and here we see the beginning of the church. All right, and then we have this period of the church uh, age which we put down as approximately 2,000 years or the last days. A day of the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Two days, the last days, uh, the, the book of Acts dealing with the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. So while in the Gospels we have the history of Christ, the Son of God, here in the book of Acts onwards, and the church epistles, we have the history of the church and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through the church right down to uh, the end of the age. All right, so three particular things we want to no notice about the church here. A, the church by the power of the gospel is to turn people from idolatry to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven. Let's uh, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 here and we won't be able to look at all these verses but just to remind ourselves of uh, some of the thoughts here. So the church, by the power of the gospel, is to turn people from idolatry to serve the true and living God and to wait for his Son from heaven. A very summary statement. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, where Paul commends the uh, Thessalonian church, he says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God would is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us uh, what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God. So that's repentance turning to God from idols, idolatry and all its forms. 
Western idolatry, uh, heathen idolatry, idolatry in its all its forms, anything that comes between us and the true God is idolatry. So how you turn to God uh, from uh, uh, idols to serve the living and the true God and contrast to idols which are dead and uh, not true gods. And to wait for his Son from heaven, the second coming, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, the personal name used here, who delivered us from the wrath or the wrath to come. Okay, number B here, second important thing about the church here, uh, the church is to be wholly sanctified in spirit, soul and body and to be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. Let's just uh, remind ourselves of this uh, verse that we looked at last week, the emphasis on a sanctified church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that Paul added verse 24, aren't you? Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Because we look at that verse and think, how impossible to be wholly sanctified sanctified in spirit, sanctified in soul, sanctified in body, and not only sanctified, but to be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul just gives us that word in verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. All right, number three, third important thing, and this is from the uh, epistle to the Ephesians, and I believe this verse in spite of everything sometimes we look at in the natural. Ephesians chapter 5 and number C while you're turning to it. The church is to be presented to Christ as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing and to be a glorious bride. How many can say amen to that? All right, so all those verses, we'll just look at a couple of verses uh, from that passage. Uh, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What for? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the labor, literally the Greek word is labor, the washing of water by the word. And I believe it's really important for us uh, as we come over Thursday night to Action Night, Sunday uh, morning and evening and other classes uh, to come under the ministry of the Word because how many feel that after you've had uh, a, good, a good word from various ministries in the body of Christ you just feel uh, you've had a good bath? Amen. So the washing of water by the Word. There's something about that God has put in the ministry of the Word that gives you a good wash. It, it's bath night tonight. And uh, we go out feeling clean. So thank you, Lord, for the washing of water by the word. You get so much junk out there of man's word that just defiles you. But uh, just to have the washing of water by the word, you just go away feeling clean and cleansed. Amen? All right, and what's the purpose of it? Sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself. Let's uh, quote uh, the defeatist. A, a, a Laodicean church with only about 144,000 people left in it, a motley-looking crew snuck out by a sneaky rapture because the church is a fizz. Know that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. So in spite of what we see sometimes, think, oh, the poor church. It's going to be a glory. Someone has said, glory us. Well, it will be a glorious church, not having spot, 
or wrinkle. And you, did you know that this language is used of the sacrificial offerings? When the, when the lamb was sacrificed on the altar, the lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. It had to be perfect. The same language that is used of Christ the head is used of the church's body. Because I tell you this, saints, the marriage of Christ will never take place until Christ has a glorious church without spot, wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. Do you know why? And I don't want to get onto this either. God has given in his word certain marriage laws and one of the marriage laws or one of the laws that are linked with marriage uh, oftentimes is be not unequally yoked. Christ will never marry a bride that is not equal with himself. For Christ to marry the church in her present condition would be for Christ to be unequally yoked. How many know that the church has a lot of spots in it? How many know the church has a lot of wrinkles? And ladies, what do you do to get rid of the wrinkles? Uh, not, not, uh, not, not uh, powder, Johnson's baby powder, not these wrinkles. <laughs> what do you do to get rid of the wrinkles? Uh, the hot iron. Yeah. So if you feel the Lord's got the hot iron on you, cheer up. He's just getting rid of the wrinkles. <laughs> Is that right, uh, Evelyn? <laughs> Glory to God. How many feel the Lord's got the hot iron on you? All right, or, or blemish, or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. So Christ will not marry a bride that is an, uh, not equal with himself. So the church has to be equal with Christ before the Father says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, Mr. and Mrs. Lord Jesus Christ. Because the bride takes the bridegroom's name. My wife took my name and my money. I've told you that many times. <laughs> So one of the things that point to the marriage of Christ and the church is when we're water baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's the bridal name. I don't know what people get frightened about it for. All right, I, uh, there's a lot I could say on the marriage of Christ and the church. That's a whole ten weeks in itself. Okay, uh, so uh, back to see here. The church is to be presented to Christ as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing and to be a glorious bride. The, the bride of Christ is not going to come running up the aisle at the last minute with uh, curlers in her hair, wearing bikini suits and say, oh Jesus, marry, the, marry me quick, the Antichrist is after me. <laughs> no way, when my bride... Uh, all right, we'll better get off that. Let's get back to this. My wife was and is a glorious bride. Hallelujah. Is that right, darling? You know my favourite hymn, I am thine, O Joyce, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. All right, now, number D, moving on here. You, you, you can feel sorry for the people who get these tapes, don't you? Because, you know, they really go through it, you know, trying to figure out what's on the board, and their tapeworms are just turning into convulsions. It's really great... And then when I get there, people say, we were listening to a tape of yours, but what was going on? All right, D. Uh, so we've got the purpose for the church. The church's ministry in A, T, 
turn people from idolatry, serve the true and living God, wait for the Lord Jesus from heaven. B, the church is to be wholly sanctified uh, in its total being, spirit, soul and body. And C, the church is to be presented to Christ as a glorious church. Nothing is going to frustrate the purpose of God. I believe that. Can you say amen? All right, now D, uh, the coming of the Lord involves. So when Jesus Christ comes back the second time, down here, he's going to have a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a perfect church that he's going to present to himself so he can be married and equally yoked to her and fulfill the marriage laws that he's laid down in his own word. Okay, now, the coming of the Lord involves the general order of events as follows. Number one, the great apostasy first. The mystery of iniquity is already working. So as we've seen together, and we're just, this night is to tie loose ends together, that day I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him, that that day shall not come except there come an apostasy or falling away first. Okay, we spend a whole couple of nights on that number two. And the man of sin be revealed, the revelation of the Antichrist or the man of sin. And we dealt with the Antichrist, both the spirit of Antichrist uh, the, the personal Antichrist, the head, and a many-membered body of Antichrist, the head and the body. We saw that together on night. If you didn't, pick up a tape from uh, the tape room there. Number three, a great period of deception. Paul warns against deception as well as the Lord Jesus. Uh, be not deceived. No man deceive you by any means. A great period of deception relative to the coming of the Lord. Number four, the Antichrist sets himself up as God to be worshipped as God uh, in the temple and we followed the theme of the temple, the heavenly temple, uh, the earthly temple and then the church is the temple of God. And we shocked some of you when we said we believe the Antichrist will come from the church. Uh, he comes with power and lying signs and wonders to deceive all who have not the love of the truth to be saved. I say, God, give us a love for the truth even if the truth hurts. Amen. Everybody said amen. Know the truth that sets you free. All right, number five. Uh, we believe there will be a period of great wrath and tribulation. We dealt with the distinction in those words as we've got here. A uh, period of great wrath and tribulation. As we've said here, uh, or last week or so, there's always been tribulation. Tribulation simply means pressure. Always been tribulation right through the age. But we believe at this end of the age, as we understand it, that there will be a consummation of tribulation which a lot of expositors speak of as the great tribulation coming out of tribulation, the great one. Uh, it's simply the consummation of tribulation through the age. Jesus Christ went through tribulation. The early church went through tribulation. Right through church history there's been tribulation. The dark ages, the reformers and so forth, always. But I believe the age will climax with a great period of universal tribulation uh, on the church pressure. Uh, the true church will be preserved miraculously. There will be saints also who will be martyred for their faith. The lukewarm believer may find his place with the unbeliever and the hypocrite. We dealt with this uh, on the thief-like coming. Uh, wrath, Satan's persecution against the saints and God's judgments are poured out on the ungodly tribulation, pressure and persecution on the saints from the world system and the devil. Uh, Jesus said, pray that you may be worthy to escape and I want to pray that I'll be worthy to escape. And we gave seven things that are necessary to escape that uh, period, not fr uh, from it, but through it. And then uh, Revelation 11, 12, 13 uh, shows there to be three and a half years of great tribulation and wrath on the earth, not seven years, as the dispensationalists say. 
Okay, number six, the coming of the Lord is a thief in the night. Two, two companies of people here. A, the unregenerate and ungodly world. We dealt a couple of nights on that thief in the night coming. And as we said there, if you're looking for the Lord to come as a thief in the night, you're in darkness. And then B, the unwatching believers. If you do not watch, I'll come on you as a thief in the night and you'll not know that the opposite is true. If we are watching, we will know uh, the times and the seasons. Okay, number seven, that is. The watching believers will know the times and the seasons. Uh, number eight, uh, I want to spend a little moment on this here. The Lord comes with his mighty angels, uh, a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. I want you to uh, go over to this passage here, um, uh, 2 Thessalonians, and I think I have a, a wrong uh, passage there. 2 Thessalonians, chapter... Uh, all to that, that should be 2 Thessalonians... Oh, wait a bit. Uh, chapter 4 and verse... Uh, Verse 16. Oh, 1 Thessalonians. Okay, sorry. 1 Thessalonians. Yes, it's 1 Thessalonians. I've got it actually on the bottom. So, in fact, you can delete that. Uh, delete that part. No, we won't, we, we won't delete it. Uh, verse 7. Uh, just older. Let me, just, let me just rewind that. I'm not thinking ahead of what I'm saying. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 speaks about the Lord coming with his mighty angels. So just verse 7, alter that too, then everything else is okay. Now, let's go to the 1 Thessalonians. Did everybody get that? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7 speaks of the Lord coming from, uh, from heaven with his mighty angels. And then let's go down to 1 Thessalonians 4 and uh, verse 16 and 18. Now, what I want to uh, touch on here uh, is this matter of, uh, just tying some loose ends here, this matter about the, the coming of the Lord with the trumpet, the sound of the trumpet. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's pick up in verse 16 and 17. Uh, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven uh, with a shout, okay, with his mighty angels, uh, a, B, with a shout. So if people don't like shouting in a dead church, it's going to take a shout to ra uh, raise the dead Christians. They might as well get used to shouting. Um, with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. I believe personally it's uh, Michael. And then D, and with the trump of God. So he comes with four things, with his mighty angels, with a shout, uh, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Now, let me just uh, turn to, I want to give you four scriptures here because a lot of people today, and I've, uh, I've mentioned this before, but not what I want to cover at the moment here, a lot of people today are looking for the rapture to come any moment, right? and they're looking for the rapture trumpet. So that, uh, looking for the trumpet to blow any moment, and it'll, they call it the rapture trumpet. Well, I want to just show you some scriptures here that I've put on your notes here about uh, this rapture trumpet that people get 
confused on. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. These scriptures are on your notes on this number 8 here. Okay, we're just pulling a lot of loose ends here to get, I hope. How many feel your jigsaw puzzle has come together a little bit? I know we've been a long time putting it together. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. And we're particularly zeroing in on the, the second coming trumpet. And why the rapture trumpet cannot take place tonight. Matthew chapter 24 and verse uh, 20, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, notice this, immediately after the tribulation, not before the tribulation, after the tribulation of those days, had a measure of fulfillment in AD 70. Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be uh, shaken. That did not take place in AD 70. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Listen to verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. The marginal of the King James says, with a trumpet and a great voice. See how it corresponds with Thessalonians. Okay, he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the one end of heaven to the other. Who are the elect? The church, the body of Christ. No longer the Jew outside of Christ. The Jew outside of Christ is no longer the elect. Okay, so you notice what Jesus said there. Coming with clouds, power, great glory. Coming with a trumpet. Coming with a great voice. Gathering the elect. Alright, 1 Thessalonians, which we've just read. Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, and I've just spelled it out of my notes here. The Lord comes with the shout. With the voice of the archangel. With the trump of God. So we have a great sound of a trumpet. The trump of God. Dead in Christ raised first, resurrection, and alive and remaining ones are caught up together, uh, immortality, to meet the Lord in the earth and to be forever with the Lord. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, these uh, scriptures are on your sheet. We're just looking at them. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, so in both those scriptures, what Jesus said, what Paul says, Jesus is coming back with a trumpet and with a voice, the voice of the archangel and a shout. Alright, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul adds another word here. Remember, we're looking at Pauline eschatology. 1 Corinthians 15. Pick up in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all die or sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the... What trump? The last trump. The last trump. Please listen to it. Okay, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and what happens exactly what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 the dead shall be raised incorruptible the dead in Christ will rise first and we shall be changed uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Okay, so we have the same thing the last trump we have the last trump not just the trump the last trumpet 
the resurrection of the dead in Christ, the living saints change, and then we inherit the kingdom of God because he just said in verse 50, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood referring to corruptible flesh and blood, and I don't want to shock you again, but how are you going to get sinners into my millennial kingdom? Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Much could be said on that. Okay, now let's go to Revelation chapter 11 and see what John says. Now we looked at what Jesus said. Trumpet and a voice, clouds, power, great glory, gathers the elect. We've looked at what Paul said in Thessalonians. Shout, voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, dead in Christ, raised first. Alive and remaining ones caught up. And we've looked at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Keep turning to Revelation 11. And in 1 Corinthians 15 he says, the last trump, he adds the word, the last trump, same thing happens, resurrection of the dead in Christ, living saints change, and we inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen carefully to Revelation 11, what John says. Revelation 11, and uh, pick up in uh, verse 15, and paraphrase a little bit as time moves on. It sounded, and there were great voices in heaven's in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Then in verse 17, uh, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, past, present, future tense, the eternal, in other words, because you have taken to you your great power and, have rain, and hast reigned. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged, which dead, and that thou shouldest give reward unto your servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should take the rest into a millennial kingdom to give them a second chance to hear the gospel. No, should destroy them that destroyed the earth. The seventh trump. Now, I want you to go with me to the use of trumpets in Revelation as I wrap this part up and then we continue on for our last few moments. Revelation chapter 1. Now, in the Old Testament, Israel in their third feast, not Passover, not Pentecost, but Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles b began on the first day of the seventh month with the blowing of trumpets, and it was called the Feast Day of Trumpets, the blowing of trumpets on the seventh month the first day of the month. So there was blowing of trumpets. Okay, now, we come to the book of Revelation, which is the book of sevens, and as I've said many times before, Revelation is a book of sevens, 57 sevens at least in this book. The only seven that's not there is seven years. Now, Schofield's dead and knows better now. But 57 sevens in the book. So here we have a book of sevens. And in this book of sevens, we have trumpets and trumpets and trumpets. Okay, let me continue. Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to put it down here. Revelation chapter 1, the first reference, and these are studies in themselves, there's just no end. How many know the Bible is inexhaustible? First reference to trumpet in Revelation, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And he says, write to the seven churches. So here we have a trumpet, and he says, write to the seven churches. Why don't you note the order here? I haven't got time to explain things here. Revelation chapter 4. 
Something to think about. Revelation 4, the next use of the word trumpet. After this, after what? After the trumpet voice to the seven churches, after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard as it were of a trumpet, also it's the same trumpet voice talking with me said, come up hither and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. Now he sees a throne and a book. So, Revelation 4 and verse 1, we have another trumpet, but now it's not to seven churches, it's a seven-sealed book. You see the trumpets in connection with the sevens. Let's go to Revelation chapter 8. Now we come to a whole bunch of trumpets, but listen to it. Revelation chapter 1. Uh, Revelation, sorry, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Revelation 8, verse 1, for the tapists. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And then through that chapter, verse 6, and the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first sounded, the second sounded, and so forth, and when you get to Revelation chapter 11, 11, which we've read, verse 15, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of our Christ. So, Revelation chapter 8, and verse 1, we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 trumpets. Trumpet to the seven churches. Trumpet concerning the seven seal book. Out of the seventh seal come seven trumpets. And uh, when you went to school, of the seven trumpets sounding, what would be the last trump? The seventh. Now when you go through the scriptures I've given you of Matthew, Thessalonians, Corinthians, Revelation, why are people looking for the rapture trumpet, which is the last trumpet, when they have not even heard the feast of trumpets? They don't even know what these other seven trumpets He comes at the last trumpet. And John tells us what the last trumpet is, the seventh trumpet. Let's go to our notes. You're looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Okay, something to think about, but vast study. Number nine. Ninth thing now, at the last trump we have... The second coming comes with mighty angels, shout, voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the first resurrection, believers only. Okay, so we come to this period of time. Uh, the second coming, the revelation of Christ, the second coming, the rapture at the same period of time, first resurrection of the goodies. The dead in Christ rise first and the translation of the saints. Okay, believers only, the dead in Christ rise first. The rest of the dead live not again till the end of the thousand years were fulfilled. Number 10, the catching up or the gathering of all saints to meet the Lord in the air, that is the alive and remaining saints. Note, the rapture and the revelation of Christ take place at the same time. Number 11, destruction of the Antichrist, the man of sin by the brightness of his Christ's coming, his parousia. As we're seeing, 12, the destruction in vengeance and flaming fire on all those who know not God, obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're told that they are not all taken into a millennial kingdom to get a second chance to hear the gospel because they didn't have enough here. It says they are all punished with everlasting destruction 
from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. And we refer to the days of Noah as it was in the days of Noah. My spirit will not always strive with man. Once the spirit ceased to strive and the door was shut, not another soul was convicted of sin. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Number 13. Christ glorified in his saints and admired in all them that believe. And uh, think of when the saints come up in the various glories. And saints, I've said this before, but we're tying a lot of loose ends together. In the resurrection, there's one glory of the sun, there's another glory of the moon, there's another glory of the stars. And as the stars differ from one another in glory, so also is the resurrection of the saints. So some saints are going to come up with the glory of the sun, some with the glory of the moon, some with twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. (laughs) What determines our resurrection glory, saints? Think about it. The woman in Revelation 12 is clothed with the glory of the sun and the moon and the stars. She's the bride and she has the full glory. I hope to be in it. And then number 14, the saints' inheritance in the kingdom of God. The time comes when the saints possess the kingdom and we live happily ever after. We hope that uh, you have enjoyed the second coming epistle. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access PDF downloads of all of Kevin Connor's books as well as his video training courses, including the Key of Knowledge Seminar and Foundations of Christian Doctrine.